When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. When you have players like that who are able to step in and play, it, it helps a great deal in you know the game planning process, in the um, comfort level from a quarterback's perspective. And just getting off the practice field now, um, felt that Chris was really dialed in and just did a great job handling all the moving parts of playing the center position. So, um, um, you know, in, in a good place with the depth that they provide. Well, do you, do you trust what Kirk is saying there? Praising Chris Reed. Hey, we've gotten some time to talk things over now. And we, and now I'm, I'm good with the depth starting with our third string center. And then the random guy that we signed off of the street who was a center like six years ago as a starter. What if Kirk came on and said, okay, we just practiced. It was this an unmitigated stuck. disaster. Dude, this guy Chris still was... doesn't get the snap <laughs> count. Balls, the football's flying over my head. I, he can't even snap it. I don't know what we're going to do. Season's some, over. I saw some people speculating that you know, Chris Reed is a longtime guard. Maybe he just kind of spaced out a couple times and forgot that, no, like, no, you're the one that needs to snap the ball, not somebody else. Alex Boone, not surprisingly, did a great job explaining. We we talked through a couple of the Chris Reed plays watching the film, including the one where Kirk was clapping for like five seconds as yep. the play clock ran down, and everybody else was like, "Okay, we got to go," and Chris Reed didn't. And he sort of explained what it what what would a complicated snap count be in that spot. Um, what would when Tony Romo is calling for a simplified snap count? What would that mean? So if you want that deep dive. Mm. The deep football-y dive on snap counts. Trenches with Boone posted this morning, Purple Daily. One thing he did say was, like, the head bob, you know, is usually, especially on the road, silent snap counts, whatever. When you do the head bob, it could mean the ball's about to be snapped, or it could be, like, a fake, like a false head bob. You're doing a head bob knowing that there's a second head bob coming. The first head bob is to get the defense to move around, tip their hand, and then you go with the second head bob. And we all agreed that maybe just like just do a head, one head bob to start with, and then then go from there. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid, right? That's yeah, right. Like that's that's the thing. In this case, you probably don't want to have your third string center in Green Bay trying to be like, did he bob once or twice? <laughs> he, he was it a three bob, times? or is he just nervous? Yeah. I don't know. What, what's how would you define a bob? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a head bob. This, by the way, is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. Kind of limping down the stretch here, but they are in the tournament. They have 12 wins. They're going to be either the two or the three seed in the National Football Conference 
And the show is presented, by the way, this is, thanks to you guys, one of the most popular football podcasts in America in 2022, according to Apple. So, again, thank you to everyone who either listens or watches on YouTube, however you consume. And no matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, and home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. We will get to our state of the offense here shortly and a Kirk Cousins question, but the official craft beer of Purple Daily is none other than Surly Brewing Company. That is right, Phil, and it is the it is the best beer because it's a team and it's a beer that never lets you down. You know, the Purple, some weeks they're great, some weeks they're not, but you can always enjoy a Surly and you can know that the wide variety of great beers we got um we've got Furious, Before I Die, Logic Bomb. I could go on and on, but every beer from Surly Brewing, there's something for everyone, and you're going to enjoy it. And of course, as you're enjoying it, show us your cans at Score North on Twitter, at Jay Zolgad on Twitter. We always want to see what you are drinking, and it should be a Surly, let's be honest. We want to see your cans. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, Brian O'Neill's out for the season. He has a partially torn Achilles surgery. Um, Garrett Bradbury, I highly, highly, highly doubt that they would run him out there against the Bears, give him another two He's weeks to yeah. Agreed. rest up. So we'll see what percentage he can be at. And then obviously Ed Ingram is having a, a tough go of it as a, as a rookie right guard. It, it helped to have veterans on either side of him, but now it's like there's a bunch of plays where they stacked two tight ends to one side. Once Ole Udo came in the game, there was a lot of Johnny Munt and TJ Hawkinson on the same same side. Maybe a chip, maybe maybe full on staying in. So, offensive line is going to be a lot more rickety on paper than it's been all season. The Vikings have pretty much been, uh, I guess, revealed as you want to call them frauds. You want to call whatever you want to say that they're not your prototypical twelve win team. They either play close games or they get smoked. So there's not really a mystique or a fear if you're one of these opposing teams. So. What is your level of trust that Kirk Cousins can orchestrate with all of this stuff sort of percolating, right, these disadvantages? What is your level of confidence that Kirk can have a Joe Flacco 2012 thing, an Eli Manning 2007-2000? What is your Kirk trustometer right now? With O'Neal out and Bradbury potentially out, it's at about a two. Um, like that offensive line, I just don't understand how it works. I mean, Kirk needs protection. That line, um, I'm not trying to sell it as it was perfect, but you know what? Comparatively, aside from the right guard, it was pretty damn good for a long time this season. That's gone now. And like, we don't know how guys are going to play. If Bradbury does play in the playoffs, he's got a bad back. So he ain't coming back, I don't think, and going to be back to a guy who really had turned a corner. Um, So without the protection there, and like in the first game, likely against the Giants, who love to blitz, they're going to put a ton of pressure on Kirk. Uh, So, yeah, just from all of the variables, and we know from a starting point what Kirk needs. um, As far as a run, like can can they win a playoff game? Absolutely. Um, But as far as like a Flacco four game, you start in the first round and you just work your way through to a Super Bowl, it's at about a two. Yeah. So pre-Brian O'Neill injury, I probably had this as close to like a seven. 
I had this close to a seven. I really did. Um, yeah. Playoff games are usually close. Um, he has figured out a way to win close games, so I've kind of given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, he is, he's forced the ball to Justin Jefferson. He's got TJ Hawkinson. He's, he's got two legitimate playmakers there. I kind of figured, you know what, I've even risen that up from the preseason ranking, which probably would have been like a, probably a four or five. But now with O'Neal out, it's probably back to that five. It's probably a five out of ten for me. Um, I'll give him still a benefit of the doubt of what he has been able to do this season. Uh, but with O'Neal's injury, I, I mean, you literally are removing one of the best pass-blocking right tackles in the NFL, and you're replacing him with a below-average tackle. Uh, so for me, it's about a five out of ten. I would love it to be back up to seven or eight and have the Flacco running him, but for me, I'm, I'm going to keep it at five for now. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna save my answer for the oh. first category of state of the offense. Jeez. All right, it's it's. You're not gonna have to wait long because we're gonna get into it here, pretty much right now. The state of the offense every single week. We dive in on Thursdays to four different categories of interest or importance. Sort of where do the Vikings fall situationally? Certain things uh, and give you an overall snapshot. So, um, the overall snapshot remains weird for this team. They are still eighth in points per game. Now they did put 14 points of complete garbage time up. Good for the Vikings for preserving their top 10 scoring offense by good for uh, Nick Mullins and and Jalen Naylor. Jalen Naylor, baby. (laughs) So they're still eighth in points per game. They are 15th in yards per play, 19th in expected points added, and 20th in football outsiders DVOA offensively. So it's it's been the same story pretty much all season where the process is outside the top half of the league offensively, but the results remain top 10 in terms of points output. I'd rather have the, the points output. You know, it's kind of weird. I was looking at Jim Harbaugh offenses when we had the Harbaugh discussion on Monday for my hottest Vikings take. His Niners offenses back in the day, like 10 years ago, were kind of similar in that they didn't gain, they weren't like top 10 yardage offenses, but they they cashed in well in the red zone. I'm guessing they avoided turnovers because they had Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick as quarterbacks. So there is precedent for not being one of the best process or yardage offenses, but still cashing in because maybe you don't shoot yourself in the foot as often, although they shot themselves in the foot a lot against Green Bay. and so. The first category here is Kirk Cousins against pressure. And um, I think it's sort of a, it's, it's, it's two-sided, all right? When Kirk is pressured, he's actually been pretty solid this season. Pressure and blitzing are two, they, they intertwine, but they can be two different things. So let's just start with pressure. Uh, he gets pressured on 36% of dropbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, which is the eighth most of any quarterback in the NFL. So not a total train wreck. Um, offensive line, lately it's been a lot worse. But he averages the fourth most yards per attempt when pressured of any quarterback in the NFL. He has the most passing yards of any quarterback in the NFL when pressured. And he's only thrown four interceptions this season when pressured. And so I could see a path here, boys, to where, and I agree, like with Brian O'Neill out, it just feels kind of hopeless. The offensive line feels much more hopeless than it's felt in a long time. 
but Cousins has handled pressure better this season than in previous seasons with the Vikings. Whether it's Kevin O'Connell unlocking some things or giving him permission to, hey, you can take a few more risks. You can go hunt down the field when you're getting pressured. He's been very, very sturdy compared to previous seasons when pressured. Mm-hmm. When blitzed, he's been pretty bad. Like, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL when blitzed. Yep. So how does that intertwine? Like, are there blitzes that – is he just flustered by the design of blitzes? Is it, you know, is, it, is it interior pressure that combines with a blitz that flusters him? Yep. There's a lot to unpack there, but – uh, but he, out, out of 42 qualified quarterbacks, he's 33rd in passer rating when blitzed this season. And uh, in terms of yards per attempt, he's also right near the bottom at 38th. So I'm kind of back. I would say, like, to answer my own question, Declan, you said it was a 7 maybe before, and now it's a 5. Judd, you're at a 2. It's like a 5 or a 6 for me still because he has handled pressure pretty well. Let's delve into pressure. And let's do it with the with the two Ps. I'll keep it clean. But I want to call it, and it's a stat that does not exist, I don't think, but it probably does internally with teams. Purposeful pressure, okay? Because think about what pressure means. And think about why cousin stats are good. Because if you have a coach who can sit you down with film and say, dude, you can make these throws, mm-hmm. but we have to let the play develop. Because if you're going to drop back to pass, it's not, unless you're going to check it down, it's not going to be always, okay, here's a three-yard pass, here's a five-yard pass, here's a six-yard pass. It's going to be hunting down the field, right? That's going to basically invite pressure, purposeful pressure. Um, and, and keep in mind, too, I'm pretty sure that they consider pressures to be, O'Neal actually is good at this. Think about the amount of times that there was pressure on his side that he would sort of drive the guy past Kirk, but the pressure was coming and then he would drive the guy past. So there was pressure there, but O'Neal was sort of controlling it, right? Blitzing, then the problem with blitzes is that induces non-purposeful pressure and that's pressure the defense can control. So Kirk's stats are going to be worse there because there's there's way more panic. Where when you're allowing the pressure to come, to actually sort of rope adult the opponent, you're controlling that. And I think there's a difference between pressure and and a line that allows it, but actually is doing its job versus incompetence. And what concerns me is, is are we bordering now on line incompetence? And it's no one's fault, but with o- O'Neal out, is Udo going to hold up? I have no clue there. Uh, he is a better tackle than guard. I will say that. The center really concerns me because if Bradbury can't play, do you have a guy that, that you can plug in there? And I'm sorry, Chris Reed, I don't think. Like, again, not his fault. But the man had never played center in the National Football League game in, I think, seven years until what, Sunday. What's funny is he actually held up pretty well in pass protection. So I will give him that. He only allowed one pressure in pass protection. It was it was the other. It was the timing stuff. It was the snap yeah, counts. Exactly. It was the organizational stuff that was a, that exactly. was a bigger problem. But I do think that it's it's important to to be able to sort of parse apart what pressure means and why Kirk might have success with pressure and not blitzes as much. And now with these changes, what it's going to mean for him? Yeah. Well, the other thing to note is that of of the now we're getting way in the weeds here. I love I love these Thursday episodes. If you don't like when we go into the weeds, then maybe the Thursday episodes aren't for you. If you do, then inject it. So, <laughs> among the Vikings' offensive linemen this season, 
Ed Ingram and Ezra Cleveland have by far allowed the most pressures. So it's it's a lot of, and we've seen how many times on these trenches episodes, we pull up a Kirk Cousins dime on third down, or look at this pass to the corner of the end zone. And as he's throwing it, someone from either Ezra Cleveland's lane or Ed Ingram's lane is uh, putting that guy in the spin cycle and destroying Kirk as he makes a perfect throw down the field. So if you're, if you, and those guys are still going to be playing and, you know, those guys are going to allow some pressures all of a sudden does the outside of the, of the right side now. But again, Ole Udo has played 61 snaps at tackle this year. One pressure allowed. Maybe there's some hope there. Maybe we're thinking Ole Udo as a guard in which he was one of the worst in the NFL, maybe getting back to playing tackle, maybe it won't be as big of a train wreck. But you basically have to hope that Cousins, who has already taken on quite a bit of pressure because of Ed Ingram, and Ezra Cleveland's been great in run blocking. Uh, he struggles a little bit in pass protection. Mm-hmm. He Kirk has overcome that more times than not this season. And so um, if he can keep overcoming pressure, they can maybe do some damage still offensively. So any other thoughts on Kirk versus pressure or your your uh, confidence level in Kirk going into the playoffs? Because he's really going to be this – isn't, this isn't one of those deals where we can just say, well, I mean, there's some things that are screwed around him, so now we just they're just going to get their asses kicked. I think there has to be some expectation that part of the reason why you're paying him big bucks is to, is to overcome some of this stuff and still perform at a high level, even if you lose – don't let it be 40 to 3, right? Put some points up anyways, I guess is my biggest request here going into the playoffs. Well, and if they do play the Giants in that first game, it's going to be tough, but I mean, that is a game that I think they should win. Yeah. With this line, and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be, I mean, it should be knock on wood a close game. It probably will be a close game. But um like when we get into if they win the first game, the second game's a discussion. Like they're they're all in individual discussions about expectation, right? But that first game is a home game. It's against a team that you beat, and it's against a team that I think with your with O'Neal out, you should beat. So yes, I, I have when when you have a season like the Vikings have, in my opinion, because this league is so weird, it's a massive disappointment if you go into to that first game and lose and say well too bad it was fun it's like no like there's no guarantee that you're going to win 12 or 13 games in 2023 like that's not assured this is not this this league is not always this unimpeded uphill we're going we're going we're going right like you hit bumps things change guys get hurt more you don't win close games so yeah i think there is a definite level of expectation from me that the vikings in that first game should win it yeah so the second category is revisiting another Kirk Cousins trend that we talked about earlier this week, but I have a follow-up to it, all right? Okay. So I will uh, – actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sprinkle in two different Kirk things for you here. It's a lot, of, a lot of good juicy Kirk stuff here that we can parse apart. What does it mean? You know, how can you project it forward? So let's, let's actually start with this one. The first – so the category is a tale of two Kirks. A tale of two Kirks, okay? Sounds like a bedtime story. Children's story. First three quarters of of games this season. So first, second, third quarters combined. Kirk Cousins ranks 33rd among all quarterbacks, qualified quarterbacks, in expected points added, which is essentially putting into context everything 
from an analytical perspective. It kind of reduces the importance of garbage time, heightens the importance of high leverage, et cetera. He's, so quarters one, two, and three combined, he's 33rd in expected points added. Fourth quarter overtime, fifth in expected points added. All right, and then I'll give you this one again with a follow-up. So we talked about this a couple days ago. Since 2018, Kirk Cousins, when leading, ranks 32nd out of 53 qualified quarterbacks in passer rating, 36th in yards per attempt, 35th in completion percentage. Mm -hmm. But when the game is tied, so think about first drive of the game or other situations where the game is tied, since 2018, he has the highest passer rating of any quarterback in the NFL. Second in completion percentage, seventh in yards per attempt. When trailing since 2018, he's 10th in passer rating, still very, very good. 12th in yards per attempt, 11th in completion percentage. Some of that's garbage time. You're trailing by a lot. Some of it's you're trailing by seven. You're trailing by 10. It's time to score a touchdown. Um, I went back and looked three years in Washington. When, so when leading with the Vikings, he's one of the worst quarterbacks with these measurements. With Washington for those three years, he was top 10 in all of these categories when leading. So some of this could be hit, could be Kirk just going into conservative mode, but I think that also proves that Mike Zimmer, conservative, hey, don't mess up, right? If you tell Kirk, it's that anecdote from the autobiography, pointing to your temple, don't blow it. Yep. Don't put us in a bad position. We're leading the game. Be careful. Terrible, we terrible coach. Got a field goal in the bag here. Be careful. Yep. And so uh, this season, he's pretty much even across the board. Like he's he's sort of between like. Uh, actually, I just I just looked at his I didn't look at his rankings. I looked at his numbers in all these categories, and it's it's a uh, pretty even across the board. So just some interesting stuff in that you don't really get the same guy across all situations. You largely get. When you need it, a guy that can rise up a little bit, especially lately. But when the team is leading and you need to maybe build a bigger lead and blow a team out, that hasn't been where he thrives throughout his career or this season at all whatsoever. I think it's fair to say this about Kirk. Um, and, and I am not anointing him a like surefire, consistent top 10 guy or, or top five, okay? But I think it's very fair to say that that I think we are all open-minded enough about him to sort of compartmentalize his career into into certain coaches and years, right? And and that's not a total credit because I think the best QBs are able to grab the situation by the throat themselves and take control. And that's yeah. not Kirk. But but like just blowing that. in the wind at the whim yeah. of like circumstance. They are driving. But yeah. But. In the case of Rick Spielman, when you made that move, you've got to know everything, including the person you are signing, right? So, so like, yes, ideally, Kirk would be a guy who'd just say, I'm calling timeouts when I want, screw this, I'll do that, you know, and, and not be obstinate about it, but be, but be take charge, because that's what quarterbacks are supposed to be, and that's what Kirk can be, but he's not consistently. So, I, I think the more we talk about these stats and parse them apart, that it is really fair to say, and I didn't watch him play consistently in Washington, but since he got here, that you need to sort of just put these all in their own compartments, which is 2018 to 21. And that's not, and and to be very, very clear here, that's not to alleviate him of blame. So I'm not saying, it. well, Zimmer screwed him. 
Mike was not the right coach, but that's also on Kirk. Um, the O'Connell thing, where where the stats in some ways, no question, get worse. The, the counting stats do, for the most part. The back um, of the football card stats. The back of the, right, yeah. and they certainly did. But you know what? Again, who cares? When can Kirk rise up? Um, here's the thing I'm going to be very curious to see in, in 2023 when we hit the season next uh, next year, I guess, or this year. What is Kirk, and and just as importantly, what is O'Connell, what's this offense going to look like? And can they get to a level of consistency? Because, I mean, that's what we've been discussing, right? Um, it, there is just a long, there's lulls, there's complete lulls, and, and they're almost predictable when they occur, where an offense that has really good components just goes away. It doesn't make sense. That's partially, again, on Kirk. That's on O'Connell. So, like, there's a lot of things about this that are interesting to watch, but it's almost like we're, we're ha- halfway through the play or we're, a four, you know, we're, we're early in the play, I should say, to see, like, where's this thing going to progress to? And how do you hit a level of consistency where you don't disappear for long periods yeah. of time? And it's almost inexplicable. And the issue, the issue for a while in Kirk's career was he would put up big numbers – in different situations in the game, but when you needed the drive in the fourth quarter or you needed in it, and again, just for, for the, before people get all, you know, underwear in a bundle here, he started to show more signs last year of being an architect of game winning drives. He had three or four of them and then had at least another couple that were sort of taken away by a defensive meltdown. But before that, it was not something he was great at. It just wasn't. And, and, his depth of throw was in the checkdown range as opposed to the down the field range, et cetera. But now it's weird because that's the hardest thing to do, right? They know you're going to pass. You have to figure out how to architect a drive with the defense knowing you're going to pass. That's like the hardest thing to do as a quarterback in the NFL. And he has kind of mastered that as much as he's going to. And, and he's mastered it at a level high enough to where he's kind of in the same grouping statistically expected points added in some of these other ones with the best quarterbacks in the league in those situations. It's the rest of the game where they can't get it going. That's what's so weird about this. If they could perform even close to the level that they do in the fourth quarter offensively in the second and third quarter, they'd have some 20 point cushions along the way where they wouldn't have to worry about grinding a game out late, or they could absorb maybe some bad luck like the Packers game, right? Okay. Boom. There's a kick return touchdown. There's a pick six. Boom. But if you're answering back and you're scoring 20 points in the first half, now it's not it's not a blowout anymore. You still have a chance in the second half. So it's, it's such a mystery as to why Kirk and the offense as a whole just disappears almost every game for a, a full quarter or two. And what, what's weird about it, too, is it's almost consistent uh, from 2021, right? Because, I mean, how, how often did the scripted plays? Clint Kubiak scripted plays. Oh my God, this is great. They're moving, they're moving, they're moving. Yeah. And then they would do the same exact thing. So like with, with two different philosophies to a certain degree with different people game planning, um, it's weird that there's been a level of consistency to the inconsistency. Wow. And what's the solution? That's, that's very meta. Level of consistency Football. to the inconsistency. Um, wow. All one that's with the world. Deep. That is yep. deep. Um. So yeah, it's I guess we'll we'll have to see. Do they have a complete game in them at some point that they haven't had so far in the regular season once the playoffs hit? We're at halftime. 
of the four categories here, state of the offense. Ooh. And so I think to uh, to celebrate, we should all eat some Nutrisource. Just put a big scoop of Nutrisource, <laughs> chicken and rice. Well, half Stella meal. would not be happy. Stella would be very upset. Maya would be thrilled. This is the look on the YouTube channel. This is the look Maya gives when her parents tell her it's still not quite time. Okay. We Maya. dictate when you eat, not you. <laughs> Although Judd has given that fight. Stella runs the house. I, I, lo- I lost that fight. Nice work, <laughs> Phil. We're losing it too, but we're still trying. Um, Nutrisource, chicken and rice is Maya's go-to food. Uh, how's Stella doing with her Nutrisource? Oh, she's doing fantastic. In fact, she is still going out in the snow to go potty, but more importantly, because she is trying to get extra trips outside so that she can come in and get what you're looking at right there, which is the training rewards treats, which she absolutely loves. I think she was up at about 6 o'clock this morning saying it's time for Nutrisource. It's time to eat breakfast. Stella loves the food. And you know what? She's about 12, healthy and happy, too, which is the most important thing for your dog. Yes. NutrisourcePetFoods.com, the official dog food of Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd, NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Also, for those of you who either live maybe up 35W or or maybe you just live somewhere up in a a long 35W, Coon Rapids, whatever, there's a project. It's shovel-ready. It just needs uh, funding from the Minnesota legislature. The Northern Lights Express, four round trips every day. Train trips, stops in Coon Rapids, Cambridge, Hinkley, Superior, Wisconsin, all the way down to the airport. This could be very convenient. Think about, like, the last few days. You want to be driving two hours on 35W? Sounds like a terrible time, right? Yeah. And the money that you could save on on gas, you're going to travel down for purple games, for, for whatever it may be. To find out more information about how you can help get this thing greenlit, northernlightsexpress.org northernlightsexpress.org more on this project right after this episode of purple daily so stay tuned all right category number three state of the offense pour one out for adam thielen oh god we mentioned a couple of these but there's more and i will preface this by saying i think he's a ring of honor player yes a franchise with some great all-time receivers, and he is a standout. You know, he's he's one of the better receivers of the last 10 years in the NFL. He's had a couple seasons where there was a 10-game stretch in 2018 where he might have been the best receiver in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. This year, it's bad. I'm going to give you three different uh, Adam Thielen is fading statistics. So he had nine 100-yard games in 2018. Nine. In 2018, he has only five 100-yard games in the four seasons since then. His last 100-yard game came in week six of 2021. The second one for Thielen, his contested catch rate. So these are like 50-50 balls. These are closely contested pass attempts. He has caught only four of 19 contested catch attempts, 21% which is uh, less than half of his career rate of 48%. He's always been pretty good 50-50 balls. He's going to catch them about half the time. Uh, this year, he's 4 of 19 on contested balls, three interceptions. Yep. And then I'll give you the last one. You guys can react. Uh, against man coverage, 
this is kind of a testament to how can you can you beat your guy, the 23-year-old, 24-year-old cornerback standing across from you, looking to jam you, whatever, looking to keep up with you, feeling against man coverage. In 2018, he was seventh in the NFL in yards per route run against man coverage, ahead of OBJ, Michael Thomas, and DeAndre Hopkins, all in their prime. Mm-hmm. This year, he's now 86th out of 97 qualified receivers in yards per route run. Uh, he has one of the biggest cap hits on the team in 2023, by the way. Yeah, and, and there's and there's no easy way to get out of it without just swallowing a bunch of money. So, I think we're kind of at that point with Adam, where unless there's some crazy hidden injury that he's going to bounce back from as a what 33 year old next year, right? This is kind of the age where you start to see receivers go off that cliff. We're we're watching it in real time, unfortunately. And I think the thing with him too is that. I'm sure he's hurt, but the bigger problem is the way that he's played the game throughout his career, which is admirable, which is fantastic, lends itself to this. I hope this is a good cautionary tale for Quazy about rewarding a football player for services rendered previously. Um, you know, if this was just the end, it'd be, it would be like, well, that's too bad. But his contract's up, or his contract's not that expensive, or they yeah. can restructure, get out of it. Um, one of the reasons why the Vikings made a front office change to Brzezinski in the late 90s was because they had rewarded a bunch of guys who were past their primes because they were once great, which is which is like a good thing to do at most workplaces probably, but in football, it's deadly. So... I don't think the I don't think the Thielen conversation is just about bashing him. I think it's about looking at what you're going to get and like, do you really think so? So let's say he's got an ankle problem, Phil, and let's say he has a procedure done. But do you really think that he's going to bounce back next season and be you know back yeah. to himself? I, I you know his prime's gone. If he was 27, I would say yeah, let's yeah. run it back. It's tough, man. Um, I don't know. He's once again. He's one of the best receivers. He's like in that second tier. You got yes. Moss, Carter, and Justin Jefferson, and then there's the like Rashad, Ahmad Rashad, Jake yep. Reed. Like he's he's That's in that bin. discussion. Yep, you're it's, right. It's a very good bin, but I don't know. And the the contract is so hard. It would be so easy if this was just kind of the last big year of his contract, and you'd say, all right, hey, this is. It's been a great run. We can either say goodbye mutually and you can retire, or you can go somewhere else, or we can bring you back on like a veteran's minimum contract and you can be a leader, third, fourth receiver. Your snap count's going to be reduced. But the the amount of money you're paying him going into next season, it just makes it, it's going to get either contentious or awkward. And he probably feels, I don't know this, I haven't talked to him about this, but like he probably feels a little bit of, tension to and that God, he knows how much money he makes and he knows how good he used to be and is he is he fully shining the light on himself and looking in the mirror or not I don't know it's a it's a complicated web to untangle but he can no longer be your number two wide receiver I guess in terms of targets snap count stature route tree everything but he is he is right now yeah and and so the key to me is this too are they going to be able to find a receiver either on the market or through the draft, who can be at least dynamic. Because I think what we saw on Sunday was this. Um, and the Giants game didn't show this. The Packers game did. TJ Hawkinson is a good player. But when you 
consistently put him into the role of you are actually our second guy. Like it's JJ and then Hawk. Okay. Now you've probably crossed a bridge. You don't want to, which is Hawkinson is a really good tight end and he can catch passes. Is he Kelsey? No. Um, Cause Hawkinson now is being asked to play the role that Thielen did, which I don't think is fair consistently. And so can you go out and find a wide receiver who can play that role, which means he's a very good player. Like to, to your point, Thielen in his prime was, you know, bordered probably on star. So can you find a suitable replacement there? Because I think if you, if you're going to go into 2023 with, well, we like Osborne and we got some guys right behind Jefferson, but, but, you know, but we've got Hawkinson who can be a consistent threat. I think you're setting yourself up for some potential problems there. Yeah. They need another home run hitter is what yep. they need. Yeah. They got a bunch of dudes and could, could uh, Jalen Naylor maybe be that he was a, he was a big yards per catch guy, home run hitter in college. Yep. He was, he out. wasn't not enough to be like a first round draft pick, but there's, there's a little something there. You know, the other guys in terms of yards per reception, you got Justin Jefferson at 14 and a half. And then there's a huge drop off. You got Thielen at 10 KJ Osborne at 10 yards per catch. Uh, Hawkinson's only at eight and a half, nine yards per catch. So who's that guy? It's probably not Hawkinson. You know, he's not going to be like getting right. 40 yards down the field, but it's not Thielen. And to this point, it hasn't been KJ Osborne either. He's been more of an underneath possession threat than anything else. So who's yeah, I, that, who's that home run hitter that can take advantage of, all right, they're going to bracket cover Justin Jefferson over here. Like the Packers, we're going to jam him at the line and put help over the top and a bracket or whatever. You know, who can take advantage down the field and beat a one-on-one situation? Right now, the answer is sometimes K.J. Osborne, but and maybe T.J. Hawkinson for nine yards or 14 yards, but not for 30, not for 40. Exactly. So, all right, and then the fourth category here, boys, is just it's a, we're going to end on a positive here. Cornerstone offensive tackles. We've reached the end of the season basically here. And Christian Derrissaw is the second highest graded offensive tackle in the NFL still, according to Pro Football Focus. Brian O'Neill is seventh among all left and right tackles in the NFL. The Vikings have, according to Pro Football Focus, the number two guy behind only Trent Williams, by the way, and the number seven guy. So, and they're both young. I mean, O'Neill got his contract. And he's getting a little older, but he's like 27, I want to say. So he's got he's got a few years left. Mm-hmm. And J- Christian Derrissaw is just a, an NFL baby. <laughs> so you got to feel really good. Derrissaw on a rookie-scale contract. Brian O'Neill, if he comes back and can be the same player after the surgery, that you've got two positions that you've been trying for years to lock down. You've got them locked down for the next handful of seasons. And Derrissaw is a huge one because I, that that's a spot where uh, post – McKinney, the, the Vikings had some good players at times, not always, but you didn't ever feel like they, they were even close to the franchise guy. Derrissaw is. And that that move, conversely, by Spielman has turned out to be fantastic. Yep. Um, now, the, I think the reality at the time was the Vikings' number one desire was to try to trade up to get fields, and the Bears did. But that being said, when you think about especially on a rookie contract, what it means to have a franchise left tackle. Like those guys are hard to find. And I think if you were ranking the order of importance of offensive players, it's second or third. 
it's quarterback. And then it might be, you know, for a right-handed quarterback, left tackle. So, yeah, that is absolutely huge. O'Neal, now, here's what I'm curious about. So he reportedly suffered, it was a partially torn Achilles, right? What does that mean? Because, like, if you blow out your Achilles, you're done for, like, a year. Like, he he wouldn't be back until into next season. I'm curious on recovery timetable-wise if this is just, uh, okay, it's bad, but not worst case. Because I don't even know what partially mm. means. Because uh, or, ordinarily it ruptures, right? Yeah, I don't. Throws. I don't know. Yeah, but I just, yeah, that really with a man that that size, any mention of the word Achilles really concerns you. Yeah, the Phil Oldholt thing kind of didn't mean to bring things down too. I know you're trying to be positive, but I was trying to be positive there, and you just basically said that he's you, never going to play football again. I, I That's fine. Mean, I didn't Thanks mean for joining the show today, feel, Judd. Appreciate. I feel you. really bad about that. I really, I feel really bad. I hope he comes back. I hope he's fine. I would like more clarity though on what it means when you have a partially torn Achilles. <laughs> Yeah, Judd basically just ended his career there. He's just never, never gonna. Yeah. He's never gonna. Well, walk not my career. Apparently. I'm fine. Just Brian O'Neill's. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's and Thielen's before that. <laughs> Let's go down so, to the sideline where our new sideline reporter Adam Thielen joins us. Maybe you should be the sideline reporter. Can we get a pre? It's from doom me? and gloom everywhere, everybody. Oh my, we're going down to Judd Zolgad. Everyone's hurt. <laughs> this is the blue medical tent is up. It's always <laughs> up. They never. No one's ever coming out of there. What's going on in there? Uh, before we get to our random Viking of the week battle here, which is going to be Declan versus Judd, a shout out to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Decks heading into these week 18 games. And you just pointed out you got golf back in the mix as well. Absolutely. The the golf pickums are my favorite option on Underdog Fantasy, and they've even expanded it. You know, it used to just be, hey, here's your here's a guy's score. Here's John Rahm. Well, he hit under 68. Well, now they got. How many, what's his par three accumulative score going to be? How many birdie putts is John Rahm mm. going to make? There's plenty of options at Underdog Fantasy, not just in PGA, but in NBA and NHL and, of course, NFL. And, of course, with the playoffs starting, too, you can start drafting your teams for the playoff run on Underdog Fantasy. Fantasy football never ends at Underdog Fantasy. And if you haven't joined, use promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Go download the Underdog Fantasy app. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking for Judd, you can probably find him at the official sports bar of the Sports Dad Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. That is correct, Phil. In fact, a staple of the community for 42 years. More than 42 years. Yourself or Park Tavern? No, I'm 53. But Park Tavern has been around almost as long as Sports Dad. And guess what? It's the best place to uh, pull up a, a chair at the bar and watch, as Declan just said, golf, hockey, football, whatever your sport, Park Tavern is showing it. Enjoy a, a delicious beer, perhaps a Surly, or go bowling. This place has all the options, including this one, guys. Very important here. If you are going to throw a party, if you if you have, I don't know, look, let's say your wife's birthday is around the corner, and you're thinking, how? what am I going to do? Planning is so hard. Can I plan a surprise? How do I do it? Guess what? Park Tavern, they've got the whole thing covered. Old hat. You know what? 40 people, 50, they can plan any party. It's going to be a fantastic time. You, of course, will be a hero. 952-929-6810, or parktavern.net, parktavern.net to book that party today. It'll be a surprise, and you will be a hero at home. Amen. All right, boys. It's time for a battle of Vikings historical wits, the random Viking of the week where Judd holds a 42-25 to all-time advantage on the combination that is me and Declan. 
Judd has a two-game winning streak, correctly guessing Michael Floyd and Warren Moon. Prior to that, Declan and I correctly guessed Ed McDaniel and Stefan Diggs. Those are your four previous random Vikings of the week. Uh, Declan, you're going to tag in this week and face Judd. I'm going to throw out a series of clues. You guys have up to three incorrect guesses each before you are eliminated. You can shout guesses out at any time. You can ask me questions. I can refuse to answer if I want to. Are you ready? Are you ready? Notebook in hand. Okay. No cheating, no Googling. You can write notes down if you want to. I just write the clues down. This random Viking of the Week hails originally from Lexington, Nebraska. <laughs> I was going to say Kentucky. All right. Any guesses? Mm-mm. Okay. That was funny. Give you, give that was funny, Phil. This random Viking of the Week. Let's see here. Did not become a starter until his senior season in college. It's a late bloomer. This random Viking of the Week. I don't believe... Uh, couldn't find a social media account ever for this random Viking. I could be wrong, but I did an extensive search. Did not find social media for this random Viking. This random Viking of the Week is a six-time Pro Bowler. Oh. This random Viking of the Week was actually named to the, let me get this right, Professional Football Researchers Association Hall of Very Good. And it was uh, it was the, the PFRA, uh, it was their first ever, the inaugural Hall of Very Good class, this never player. Heard of, never heard of this. Neither have I. I don't know. This random Viking of the Week has 13 career fumble recoveries. Or had, I should say had. Take a guess. Steve Hutchinson. Steve Hutchinson. Mm-mm. Incorrect. I could see how you got... I mean, that's pretty good. Hall of very good, though. He's... He's Hall of Fame. Yeah, but still, he could still have been in the Hall, you know, hall of Very Good from them. You know, he's a guard. He, he would have stuff. Yeah. beat the crap out of them if they put put him in that. He would have found him, hunted them well, down. Well, could you have been Hall of Very Good and then... Hall of Fame, right. And then right. later, you know, in Hutch the five-year Hutch is from Florida, window. too. So. Okay. Okay. Well, Hutch, Hutch and I are tight, okay? Okay, show off. Hutch, yeah, all right. yeah, Hutch and I are tight, so... <laughs> Let's just say I know where Hutch is from, okay? Yeah. I went to Hutch. Yeah, Declan, okay, he's Hutch's from house. Naples, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> All right, this random Viking of the week was undrafted. Was Hutch drafted, Phil? Oh. Or, uh, undrafted. Judd? He was drafted out of Michigan. Of course he was drafted. Of course he was drafted. Big I'm, big just, I'm testing your knowledge. By, by the Seahawks from Michigan. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, this random undrafted. Viking of the this random Viking of the week. Which clue do I want to give you next year? Um, I'll give you this one. This random Viking of the week was was listed at his his playing height and weight were listed at six two two forty. 
Okay. 62240. This random Viking League played college football for a team that is currently in the Big Ten. Currently. Can I ask a, a question? Sure. Did he play for the the current Big Ten team that is that is in his place of birth? Yes. This random Viking of the week played in nineteen career playoff games. Oh wow. And is a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Oh, I stand corrected. I'm sorry, Declan. All right. <laughs> the Hall of Very Good People are going to receive a nasty note from me. Um, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yep. Oh, my God. The number that he wore with the Vikings has actually not been worn by any Viking since 1998. Randall McDaniel. <laughs> I like the aggressiveness by Declan. Yeah. No, it's no, the it's aggressiveness smart. by I, Declan. You know what? Here. I just mad respect. Mad respect. Despite what I said before. Go I for apologize. it, Dex. Go yep. for it, Dex. 1990. So it hasn't been worn since 1998. This random Viking actually played not only in 19 playoff games, he played in 240 NFL games in the regular season. Okay, so hold on. 62240 was his height and weight, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going at. Yep. Um, 19, oh, I have one more 19, guess. I just, I don't remember it. I, I would say that Declan, I'll give you this one. His name is a is a great football name. I feel like it's a great football name. I guess I'm not giving it just to Declan. I'm giving it to both of you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. A great just a great football, football name. It's been worn. Pretty sure. Oh God. Um. You want his NFL coaches? Yeah. Sure. Well, there's only two of them. Norm Van Brocklin and Bud Grant. <laughs> uh, Mick Tinglehoff. There it is. Yep. All right. <laughs> we got it. We got Paula it. All oh, very Devin good. was sniffing around the interior offensive line. He was sniffing around old school. Oh, man. Right Declan there. was just on the scent the whole time there. Talking oh. There's Mick right there. Mick Tinglehoff. Nebraska. Tinglehoff. All right, we got to run here because Doogie is waiting for us over on Mackie and Judd. But that is your random Viking of the week here. Judd, a third straight victory. But I'm proud of Declan, man. He's not as good with the old school ones before he was born, and he was he, on the scent he, he took swings, line. too. Yeah. Yep. He took swings. Yeah. Yeah, was... What 
what th- threw me was the height and weight were not like now. Yeah, you're like different. a you're like a safety. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Brian, so Brian I was thinking linebacker. is six two two forty, right? I was thinking linebacker for a long time. Yeah. You're like yeah, you're you're like a, a small, nimble linebacker or something. So all right, there it is. That's the battle of wits. Judd back on the winning streak here with three consecutive. Thanks for playing along at home or in the YouTube comment section. This is Purple Daily, where we just want the Vikings to win a dang Super Bowl before we die. All right. Hey, everyone, before we say goodbye on this podcast episode, we'd like to shine a light on a project that could be very beneficial for sports fans around the state of Minnesota. Uh, Maybe those of you who are looking for more convenient ways to travel up and down 35W all the way up from Duluth and uh, all the way down to Minneapolis and the airport. The Northern Lights Express is a proposed passenger train between the Twin Cities and Duluth. Four round trips every day with stops in Coon Rapids, Cambridge, Hinkley, and Superior, Wisconsin. And um, Amtrak Vice President Joe McHugh in 2019 said the Northern Lights Express is one of the most shovel-ready projects in the nation. Just need the next step of securing a funding commitment from the Minnesota legislature. And so joining me now to discuss the project and the benefits are Andrew Johnson from the Minneapolis City Council and Jim Payne, the mayor of Superior, Wisconsin. Uh, let's start with you, Andrew. Um, can you speak just the benefits uh, to, to maybe sports fans or people in and around the Minneapolis metro area if oh, we can wow. get this thing going? Absolutely, Phil. Well, the last time we had a snowstorm like the one that's happening right now just behind me also happened to be a Vikings game over at U.S. Bank. And I was out on the roads that day and saw literally miles of fans trying to get into the stadium, backed up, uh, stuck in this icy condition, bad weather. And it's on days like today, uh, back here, you know, it's also on days like that, that you really can appreciate the value of a train. Just being able to go, show up at the game, enjoy yourself, have a couple extra drinks, and get back home safely, whatever the weather may be. But uh, for all Minnesotans and uh, for Wisconsinites as well, who are going to be connected with here with this train, more than uh, a 700,000 passengers uh, in the first year just starting on day one with this project will be able to get around the state a lot more comfortably, a lot more easily, uh, and a lot more certainty uh, with their travel plans. Yeah. And Mayor Payne, from your perspective, as we sort of travel up, uh, a couple hours up north. What makes this project so important from your perspective? Well, the fact is we're sports fans too here in Sapporo, Wisconsin, and uh, we live in a pretty unique community when it comes to our fan loyalties. Uh, I, I am very loyal to the state of Wisconsin, but Green Bay and Milwaukee are a very long way away, and Minneapolis and St. Paul are not. But uh, as the counselor pointed out, Uh, It's tough to get there. One of the most dangerous things in Minnesota, bar none, is still uh, Highway 35. It's dangerous to drive all four seasons of the year. And in the winter, he's right, blizzards become more dangerous than hurricanes and tornadoes combined. Vikings play in the winter. Uh, But you know what? It's fun to go see the Twins, too. And uh, even if we don't want to have a couple extra drinks, let's be real. We're from Wisconsin. That's likely to happen. Uh, (laughs) But it's... uh, it's just a hassle to have to figure out parking, to, to spend the gas money, uh, uh, to dedicate those extra couple hours where you're just in the car dealing with the stress of traffic. Uh, you need more planning. 
uh, it's just fun to go down there, not worry about it, and celebrate the game the whole time. What this project offers is something like a two-hour tailgate. Yeah. I would also think, too, like college students either you know commuting holidays, whatever it is, from Duluth, Minneapolis, see family, makes it more convenient. Uh, in the last minute here, I'll start with Andrew. Maybe both of you can answer questions about. So it's, it's considered a shovel-ready project, need the funding. Can you speak to cost, funding, and also timeline once the shovels potentially do hit the ground? Absolutely. Well, our most recent updates on uh, the cost is about $85 million from the state of Minnesota. Now, that will go up a little bit with the inflation that we've seen across every project, so we're getting updated numbers. But the important thing to note on that is that we have a four-to-one match with the federal government. So the funds are available, ready for us to just get as a state and we can get uh, four times that from the feds. So that's about $425 million. And uh, this is that money is going for upgrading railroad crossings across the whole corridor. So you're going to see benefits, not just for riders of the train. And we really call it shovel ready because you don't really need to lay down a new track. We have track all along the route that can be used today as well. And so this isn't uh like what you're seeing with Southwest Light Rail or some of these other projects where it seems like the timeline keeps getting stretched out. This is a pretty quick uh, start to finish project once the funding's in place. Yeah, Andrew's right. There there really aren't any shovels that necessary. <laughs> it's every part of this project already exists. The, the cars exist, the track exists, Amtrak exists and is ready to operate this. It's a matter of committing to the funding for this year and the years to come. Uh, the sitting governors of Minnesota and Wisconsin will be seeing the Packer Viking game together on this train. Yes. Um, and I should mention for the audience too, you can find your local Congress member, legislator. Uh, if you want to send a message, northernlightsexpress.org, northernlightsexpress.org. Uh, any, any final words to, uh, to the Minnesota sports fans, that I guess the, the Midwest sports fans listening to this or watching this right now? We'll see you in the playoffs. Oh, Skull Vikes. Can't wait. <laughs> Love it. Uh, thank you both for coming on. And again, uh, the website is northernlightsexpress.org if you're interested in more information.